You're listening to The John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. JQ on the drive again, throws it in the corner. Shaq, three ball, bottom, red, smoking, hot. Jake Shackelford buries it, and Bama leads by six. Now, back to the voice of the national championship, Baylor Bears, John Morris. Back with us, John Morris Show on this Friday afternoon. Highlight cut courtesy of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Authored by the voice of uh, Alabama basketball and baseball, sideline analyst for Alabama football. It is Chris Stewart who joins us now. And uh, Stu, appreciate you being on with us this afternoon. How are things? Yeah, How you doing? I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good. I appreciate it. Just uh, excited if I get a chance to see you in Tuscaloosa. As I've, I've told you earlier in a, another conversation, I just – Leave a couple of your guys back home if you don't mind. But I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing you. Not, thank you very much, but not happening. We need to be at full strength. We need to be at full strength tomorrow. Hey, what's the uh, what's your thought and what's uh, Coach Oates' thoughts about this Big 12 SEC challenge? You know, stopping down on conference play here in late January. Well, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's great for our league. I'm not sure how yours feels about it, but for the SEC, it's great to have uh, partner to kind of run with and to wave wave our banners collectively for this time of year. Um, it's been a great event. The SEC, thankfully, has been more competitive the last few years than they had been before uh, as a group. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny. I, I looked up and uh, a week or so ago when you start promoting this game, and I went, oh, yeah, we won the league last year, and, and you won yours difference is you guys are still playing at a very high level and depending on what night it is Alabama still is too but it's uh it's not as consistent as your squad has been well and and tell us about your guys I mean you had some big wins early you gave Gonzaga you know one of their yeah. two losses you beat Houston back in December some really big uh wins there um but it seems but you're four and four in conference now how would you describe you know the season so far Coin flip, because yeah. you're not a, uh, or maybe maybe the Forrest Gump. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> right. Uh, look, they have been in every ball game. There was one double digit loss that was to Memphis on a night when the Tigers played the best they've played maybe all year. They had to get a win. They dropped three or four in a row. Uh, Alabama did not handle the road environment very well, and uh, and got popped uh, by 13. I think was the margin in, in that ball game. But they were coming off of the stretch where they played really well in uh, intense ball games. They had won at, I started to say at Gonzaga. Technically, it was in Seattle, right? Uh, not not Gonzaga's home court, but it was eighteen thousand people. And from what I'm told, because I wasn't there that night, I was doing the SEC championship game. But uh, there wasn't a lot of crimson in the building yeah, I bet. that night. Uh, if it was, it was along with the Navy of Gonzaga. But it was it wasn't Bama crimson, that's for sure. Uh, great, great win there, um, and then came back and beat Houston in a terrific ball game at Big Holden Coliseum in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I think it was the next game where the the Memphis loss occurred. I can't remember because they start to run together. But anyway, it was those were great, great victories. And then you come back and and the real head scratchers are uh, a loss to Missouri, a near on the road, a near loss to Missouri. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, 
and then you get a win against uh, you know a, a, a good LSU team, and then you turn around and, and lose at Georgia, which had not beaten anybody in conference, even though they'd been competitive. So hard to figure out. The, the better the competition, the better Alabama has played. Their only home loss has been to, uh, to now top-ranked uh, Auburn, and it was a it was a tie ball game with a minute to go in that one and let it get away late. And and you just hope that the team that has beaten three or four top 15s and played the number one team in, in Auburn to the wire will be the one that shows up and not the one that, that played its last ball game. Because if the one that played its last game shows up against you guys, it will get ugly. Uh, you guys will, will play at a high level and Alabama's got to play at a high level to, to be on the floor with you. Glad you mentioned uh, the success of Alabama uh, last year. Uh, Sixteen and two SEC champs, twenty six and seven overall, Sweet Sixteen in the NCAA tournament, and you finished number five. Uh, I didn't realize that till looking at it this week. But final AP rankings, Alabama was number five in the nation last year. That was a great season last year. Yeah, it really was, and it was special. It's been twenty years since Alabama had won an SEC title. Um, did so under Mark Gottfried and, and Antoine Petway, who's an assistant on the staff now and has been for a number of years, was uh, instrumental part of that team as, uh, as a guard. It, it's, um, but it had been a long time. Bama's got a, a proud history. Look, there, there's no two ways about it. Kentucky is the clear-cut, easily, by far, most historic program in the SEC and has been for decades but when you're looking at the history of the league, second in all-time conference wins is the University of Alabama. Wow. It had a great stretch with three straight titles in the 70s under C.M. Newton. Um, Wimp Sanderson had a stretch with five consecutive NCAA tournament bursts, I think three in a row at, in the Sweet 16. Uh, there had been other periods and pockets of success. But we hadn't won a league title since Mark did it again in that 2000, I guess it was 01-02 season, and needed to have something big happen again. It had a veteran squad, good size, that the style of play that they excelled in fit perfectly with what Nate Oates has brought to Alabama. And he did a phenomenal job of, of leading that team last year, not only to a regular season title, but a tournament crown and uh, a gut-wrenching overtime loss to, to UCLA in the Sweet 16, or, or they could have easily been there in the Final Four just like the Bruins were. So uh, a great season last year, historic, but uh, has only whet the appetite for Bama fans to do that on a continuing basis. You mentioned Kentucky, obviously, uh, you know, dominant in the SEC, really dominant in college basketball for many, many years in your league but uh, how does it sit with you guys uh, that Auburn is all of a sudden <laughs> upstart number one in the nation and playing really well? Well, I'm not going to speak for the fan base. I'm not going to speak collectively <laughs> for that. But I, I'll, I'll take you back to a conversation that I had with, uh, with Bruce Pearl. He had been at Auburn for a year. And we were, at a, we were at a charity golf tournament together, and there was a couple of minutes where we were the only two people standing at the backdrop and in this conversation I said Bruce you know where I work and and look we're going to want to beat you every time I said but man as a kid who grew up in the state of Alabama in the 80s uh following basketball and loving it as I did at a time when Wimp had it rolling in Tuscaloosa Gene Bartow had great teams at UAB that were nationally relevant 
And uh, I said, heck, I even pulled for Sonny when it mm. didn't impact Alabama or UAB. And he said, oh, man, that was an incredible time. I said, it really was. And I said, I'm, I, said I really feel like we're going to trend back in that direction again. And uh, look, P.T. Barnum had nothing on Bruce. He's great <laughs> at, at winning games, first of all, but also getting people engaged within his fan base and his campus in the process. Um, he's done a great job at Auburn. We've done a uh, – I think we – Nate Oates has done a great job at Alabama. And prior to that, um, Avery Johnson had done some really good things. Only one NCAA tournament berth, but – as, as Nate will point out, some of the guys that were the cornerstone veterans of last year's team were, were guys that he inherited from, from Avery's uh, squads. There were, there were some things in place where now Alabama can move forward. And while we're not playing as well right now as we'd like, we've got a recruiting class already signed for next year that includes two Parade All-Americans, all, or, yeah, parade all uh, a, a top-five signing class, and a, a fan base that's ready to be nationally relevant in basketball as they are obviously in football and several other sports as well. Wow, interesting. Chris Stewart is with us, play-by-play for Alabama basketball and baseball. Bears and Tide tomorrow afternoon in Tuscaloosa. All right, do you think if I opened up our phone lines uh, and told people not to Google it, who, who, how long would it take to name Nate Oates' alma mater? Wow. Let me tell you what, I'm having to hesitate. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I, won't, I won't say it. Uh, help me. Let, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Right? Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but I'm looking at your notes, and the, that's the only reason I know it, and it kind of jumped off the page. Maranatha Baptist. Yeah. Where is yes, Maranatha Baptist? Uh, Michigan or Ohio. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere up there. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another one. Um my broadcast partner on, on Bama basketball for 18, 19 years now has been uh, Brian Passing, former yes. guard at, at Alabama in the 90s. And, and Brian sent me the text the day that it came out that Nate Oates was hired, and he said, got our new basketball coach. I replied, great, who is it? He replied, Nate Oates. I said, great, who is it? Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the name. And he replied, he replied, Buffalo. I went, oh, that guy's good. Mm. Now, Nados didn't know who I was either, but we've become pretty good friends, and, and I have immense respect for him personally as well as professionally. Uh, he's, he's been terrific, but yeah, he's, let me tell you who he is. He is a math teacher mm. who's also a great basketball coach. He's a high school math teacher who's a great basketball coach. Loves numbers, loves teaching, um, enjoyed what he was doing, would have been happy and content, but was skilled, gifted enough that was was blessed with some opportunities that he will credit God for, for blessing him with to, to get to know some coaches. Um, you know, being in it kind of in not in the shadows of Michigan State, but but coaching high school basketball there and in winning uh, a state championship at a prominent school in in Michigan, you're gonna get to know the head coaches at Michigan, Michigan State develop really good relationships there. It's ironic. He read when he was coaching high school basketball in Michigan, he read a book that Nick Saban wrote years ago uh, about coaching, about teaching and had read it, had studied it. And then he gets to be on staff and on campus. Wow. And the guy spent a full, he, he asked 
or Coach Saban said, anytime I can help, any way I can help, let me know. And he said, I'd really like to shadow you one day later on. And, and I don't know that Nick believed him, but he said, sure, that'd be fine. Well, he reached back out to him later as they got into the season. He said, Coach, if I won't be in the way, I'd love to shadow you for a day. How about he that? Said, I showed up at 630, had a notebook in hand, took notes all day long, didn't leave until Saban left the building after 10 o'clock that night, and then brought a new notebook and called him on a game day as well. Huh. And obviously applied things from a basketball perspective as it translated from the football side. But, man, the guy's, the guy's phenomenal. Uh, nothing but respect for him. And I, I honestly felt that way for some personal reasons before he ever coached a game. But seeing him through two-plus seasons now, even more uh, thankful that, that he's uh, coaching at Alabama. Wow, that's some great insight. Appreciate that. Uh, Stu, I guess the last time we saw each other was uh, you guys played here in Waco three years ago, part of the Big 12 SEC yeah. Challenge. Baylor won the game. It was tight, 73-68. What's, what's the thought from there uh, with Baylor coming in now, number four in the nation right now, defending national champs? Does that get people's attention, you know, for this game tomorrow? Well, I think it's the fact that you followed up the success that you had last year. And as you and I were talking earlier today, you've replaced some irreplaceable pieces with guys who are more than serviceable. You've, you've replaced national champions with guys who, who are contenders for their own crown this year. And it's legit. Um, it's, it's a really, really good basketball team. And John, there's three guys that are missed off last year, last year's roster. There's, there are other pieces to the puzzle as well that they got that team as far as we talked about earlier, but, when you lose Herb Jones, the SEC Player of the Year, John Petty, the all-time three-point shooter in school history, and Josh Primo, who was just coming into his own um, as a, an underage, if you will, college player. He was a 17, 18-year-old last year. He's 18, 19 years old now, barely 19, I think, playing in the G League. Or, excuse me, playing uh, part-time G League, but also with the Spurs. He's gotten a start with the with the big club, wow! just like Herb is the primary starter now, a primary starter for the Pelicans. And John Petty's playing G League team in Birmingham. Not only were those three guys who, who brought the, the things that I brought before, I mean, in, in Primo was the number 12 draft pick last mm. year in the first round. So they were obviously very talented based on what I've already said. They were also 6'5", 6'6", 6'7" could rebound like crazy out of the guard slot. Herb could play any spot on the floor, one through five. And you, you don't just plug and play with somebody else. And, and I think while you knew you were going to be um, in a spot that was going to be tough to replace those guys based on who they were and what they meant, I, I think seeing it up close and personal has been even more of a challenge than, than Nate Oates and Alabama as a whole. Uh, realize. Yeah, I would say we both had some significant losses from last year's rosters. No question. Uh, for sure. No question. Hey, final thought. Uh, I'd be interested in your perspective on this from the SEC viewpoint. Uh, how, how anticipated is the uh, uh, joining of your league by Texas and Oklahoma at some point down the road? There, I, I'm not going to say it's split down the middle, but I think it is split because there are some that miss the old school traditional 12, but even maybe even more so the 10 that we used to have with the, with the, uh, the SEC prior to the 
edition of Arkansas and in South Carolina. Um, I, I will say this: I'm I'm excited. I think Oklahoma and Texas will be a good fit, but I, I'm excited from the standpoint even more that now Missouri actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that in a, in a disparaging way towards them at all. But you would go there, and there was nothing that felt like an SEC environment when you go to Mizzou. It's a look; they got a great, proud history. They've been to Atlanta twice as the Eastern Division champion of the the SEC, uh, and have represented well and, and done well in in various sports. But there's just a feel, uh, and I think you know what I'm talking about. It just didn't feel like a fit. Oh sure, and and it's not. It, it was tough for them. In their fan base, just like it was was odd for the SEC, Texas A&M felt like an SEC school from day one. It, it seemed to have a fit there. Uh, Missouri, by having, I think, Oklahoma and Texas, will feel more a part of the, the SEC family now and look more like that than they have at any other point. So I think it's going to be good. I think it's we all need to get used to it. I think the Big 12 made a great recovery because there was concern, obviously, that that, that league might splinter even further when you lose two, uh, two programs like that. But I, I think what they've done to not only fill those spots but grow the league to the number they have is going to be great for you guys. I hope it is. Uh, I, I, I pull for you to, to have that happen there and that we can all be strong and I, I'll be honest, just now it's on Alabama's behalf, just mine personally. I hope we're at, at the, the spot one day where it's it's the five leagues and we, we quit pretending that we're all under the NCAA umbrella and playing the same game because we're not. I hope that the ones that want to play this at a high level uh, above you know what a lot of other schools want to do, and I'm not knocking that. I, I did games at an NAIA program that went Division One for a brief time, I've done lower level or, or mid-major um, Division One games as well. But Alabama, Baylor, and all of the schools in our respective conferences, I think, want to be in a place that has a different agenda from a lot of other teams in the the NCAA and even within Division One. And there's no reason why others should have to play by our rules, but we shouldn't have to play down, so to speak, in some regard for uh, for that as well. We should be able to do what we what's best for our institutions, wherever that institution is. And that's why I hope it's at some point where we're playing a bunch of games against each other, even though we're not in the same league. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good perspective. Hey, man, it's great to visit with you. I appreciate your time this afternoon and uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Uh, thanks very much. Safe travels. Always good to talk to you, buddy. All right, bud. Thanks very much. Chris Stewart, play-by-play for Alabama men's basketball and baseball, sideline analyst for uh, Alabama football. He's got his finger on the pulse over there, as you can tell. Great to visit with him. It is Baylor and Alabama tomorrow afternoon. We're on the air at 2.30, tip-off at 3, right here on ESPN Central Texas. Television tomorrow on ESPN Television. All right, uh, take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Final segment, wrap things up in the 3 o'clock hour. John Morris Show. John Morris, Aaron Sexton in the Allen Samuels Studios, and we're back right after this.